Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, good morning, everyone. And, and I, too, want to wish all our papas a happy uh, Father's Day. Hope you were spoiled in some way. I woke up to a fresh, uh, actually warm apple fritter. And then a little bit later, there was a knock at my door and someone else had donuts. So if I just slump over and fall asleep, it's because I'm, uh, I'm on a sugar in a sugar coma. But hey, and good morning uh, and happy Father, Father's Day to my dad uh, back home in Canada and uh, who will be watching here in a bit. But uh, we're really glad you're here. If you're visiting, <clears throat> hope you feel welcome. And uh, uh, we look forward to maybe meeting you after the service. Before I get to my talk, I want to ask you a question. Uh, did you know that in 1952, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that students can be released from public schools during, uh, during school hours to attend religious classes? Did you know that? Uh, these classes must be off-school property, privately funded, parent uh, permitted. And though this has been legal for, for many decades, uh, most people, myself included, had never heard of this. But there's an organization that's working uh, to change that. It's called LifeWise Academy. Ding! And uh, LifeWise Academy works uh, to provide tools for public are for uh, local churches, uh, for communities to basically teach the life-changing message of Jesus to kids in public schools. This fall, LifeWise is starting up in uh, our Big Walnut School District at Souter Elementary on Miller Paul Road. So there are many opportunities to get involved. You can pray, you can volunteer, you can give financially to it. Uh, on the, after the service, if you're interested in more information, there's a LifeWise, you'll see that a sign just like that out there. Sign up uh, with your information and we will forward that to the organizers here in Big Walnut. But check it out, it's a very cool, very cool opportunity. Okay, uh, last weekend, Heather did a great job uh, kicking off our new series entitled Live Free. And it is a series we're looking at, the New Testament book of Galatians that was written by, uh, by the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> if you were here last weekend, you know that Heather mentioned that Galatians is unlike any of Paul's other letters in that it, it doesn't start with his normal pleasantries like, hi, how are you? How's it going? Uh, so grateful for you. So thankful for you. This letter uh, is, has a different feel to it. <clears throat> this letter was written to the churches that Paul had planted somewhere around eight years prior in Galatia, which is uh, modern day Turkey. In this letter, Paul comes out of the gate with his theological guns blazing. Uh, this letter has a, has a very real urgency to it, uh, sort of like something of great significance is at, is at stake. And what is at stake is the, is the accuracy of the gospel, the accuracy of the good news, the, the story of Jesus, the invitation of God to every human being to come home to come home to him. Last weekend, Heather gave a, de a definition of, of the gospel. I, I've added a few words, but here's what she said. Uh, the gospel, uh, it's salvation, which means relationship with God restored. Salvation is received by grace alone, meaning it's always a gift to be received, through faith alone, which means by believing in something that is too good to be true, in Christ alone. It's only found in and through Jesus. So that gospel, the accuracy of that very simple and powerful gospel was at stake. Why was that gospel at stake? 
because some Jewish Christians, some false teachers, they're known as uh, Judaizers, they, uh, from Jerusalem, they had gone up to Galatia. Uh, they had a timeshare, I believe, in that area. But they were up there, and they were saying to some of the churches, hey, you know what? Uh, they were basically spreading lies about Paul and the gospel that he was sharing. They're basically saying, you know, Paul, what, Paul's been what Paul taught you, uh, it's really it's inadequate. It's inaccurate. And it is not the same. His gospel does not line up with the gospel of the, the leaders, the church leaders in Jerusalem. Paul's gospel, it's, it's not enough. It's too easy. Uh, these, these false teachers were saying to the churches, look, and remember in Galatia, the churches there are made up primarily of Gentiles who are non-Jews. Uh, they were basically saying to them, if you guys really want to be saved, if you really want to be made right with God, well, then you need to abide by the Jewish laws, you know, regarding dress, regarding your diet, even, even uh, circumcision for the men. And remember that Christianity got its start in Israel. Like Christianity was birthed out of the Jewish nation. It was birthed out of Judaism. Jesus, he uh, was a Jew. Most of the first believers were Jews, the disciples, etc. And these are people who were brought up in a, in a system, a religious system, the Old Testament system, attempting, meaning that they, you know, it's attempting to follow the law, to get it all right, in order to be acceptable to God. But now, but now they've received the gospel. They've received the good news, meaning they are now acceptable to God uh, because of what Jesus has done on their, on their behalf. And the plan of God was that this gospel was to be taken not just to the Jews, but to the entire world, to everybody, Gentiles included. And so by this time, there were many, many Gentiles who were saying yes to the, this gift of the gospel. And so that stirred up uh, a dispute. Listen to this. On the one side of the, the dispute, we have Paul, who is saying the gospel of faith in Christ is for people of all cultures. On the other, we have his opponents claiming not all Jewish people are Christians, but all Christians must become Jewish. So this is a really big deal, because just think about this. At this time in history, the church is still very young. Most of planet Earth have not heard uh, about Jesus yet. So the outcome of, of this dispute is going to have major impact on the fu future of the Christian church, meaning today. It would have, this is going to have impact on us, uh, impact on what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, and more importantly, what it takes to be saved, what it takes to be made right with God. So Paul sits down at his desk with a very large, very strong cup of coffee, and he writes this letter uh, to the Galatians to refute the lies and the accusations of these false teachers. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into Galatians. So Lord, uh, I, I pray today, Lord, I, we wish you a happy Father's Day. <laughs> You're the father of all fathers. And I pray today that way beyond the music, uh, way beyond my words, would you flood this room? I pray for those who are watching online. Would you flood where, you know, the room they're in with your father's love? Would you just pour out, just come and refresh us, uh, heal us, encourage us with your love for us today. So we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, a little bit of review. Paul starts off his letter 
uh, in Galatians 1, reminding the, the, the Galatians of his credentials, basically. And in verses 1 to 12, he, he, what he says is, hey, look, I wasn't sent to you by a man. No, no, no. I was sent to you, Galatians. I was sent to you by God himself. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that I brought with you, that I shared with you, I didn't receive that, nor was I taught that by by any uh, human. No, I received that gospel by revelation from Jesus himself. Now, when you hear the word revelation, ding, 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 that should stir something in your memory if you've been coming to this church for more than, I don't know, five, six months. We did a series, remember? We did a series called Revelation. We looked at the book of Revelation. And, uh, and so this is, will be a, a refresher for you. But the word that Paul uses in Galatian for revelation, the original Greek word is apocalypsis. Which, from which we get the word apocalypse. So here's what Paul is talking about. An, an apocalypse is an uncovering, a pulling back of the curtain to reveal what's behind it. And, and that's, that's what happened when Paul met Jesus, and we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, Jesus basically pulled the curtain back to reveal his amazing grace, to reveal his gospel plan of, you know, this gift that now is available to all. And so Paul starts off this letter basically by saying, look, I'm not just some puppet sent from Jerusalem. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet of God sent to you by him with the words of God. And then, so then he continues saying this. So here's, we'll jump into our text for today. A little bit of review from last week. Verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. So Paul begins to refute the lies, the accusations being said of him by these, these false teachers that his gospel was a lesser gospel, uh, that he was a lesser apostle, and he does that. He refutes their lies basically by sharing his testimony. So our first point is Paul's story, uh, lovingly ambushed by Jesus. And I think it's interesting that Paul's defense to uh, just his role, uh, his calling, Paul's defense of his gospel is simply yet very powerfully, he just, he just tells his story. And if you're familiar with Paul's story, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing story. Let me set it up this way. Just imagine that, you know, we're up in heaven and there's a big, big oak table and, and we're having a meeting. There's God, the father, and there's Jesus, the son, and there's some key angels are there and they're all looking down at earth and they're going, boy, look at that. Look at how the church is spreading and, and people are believing and it's spreading beyond Israel and it's going into all these Gentile nations and God the Father leans over and I don't know what he sounds like, you know, okay, well, I, I was going to try to, well, oh, well, oh, no, no. okay, no, but that's, no, not on Father's Day, I better not do that. But God the Father goes, hey, look what's going on down there. 
we need to send an apostle. We need to send a voice uh, to the Gentiles. And this is really key. We need to send someone who's going to be able to communicate and connect with non-Jews. That's important. And all the angels are like, you know, they want to impress the boss. And they're throwing out names like, what about Peter? Nah, he's busy. He's busy in Jerusalem. Can he be trusted? No, he, he can be trusted. Of course he can. But they're going through all these names. And what about Apollos? He's an up-and-comer. He's an up-and-comer. He might be the one. And someone in the back yells, hey, what about Andrew Hudson? And, and God the Father says, no, 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 I have a plan. I have a plan for him later. And then Jesus, Jesus leans back and he goes, what about that Saul of Tarsus guy? And don't be confused, Paul, Saul, Paul, he was known as Paul to the Greeks, Saul to the, to the Israelites. But Jesus says, what about that, that Saul of Tarsus guy? And I don't think there's sarcasm in heaven, but I think the angels looked at Jesus and thought, well, careful what you say, he is the, he is the father's son. But they're like, wait a minute, Jesus, Saul? You mean the Saul who is persecuting uh, the church? Who is like a, going, like a madman working to destroy it? Like who, like the poster boy for the Pharisees? Do you think, you know, this guy who is wreaking so much havoc, do you mean that, Saul? And Jesus smiles and goes, yeah, that's Saul. I really like that guy. And God the Father leans in, hey, son, what's your plan? And Jesus, he looks at his father and he goes, dad, here's my plan. I'm just gonna go down there and introduce myself to him. He's gonna have an apocalypse I'm going to pull back the curtain. I'm going to introduce myself to him. And then, and then I'll share the plan with him. And you know, again, I, I don't, that's not in the Bible, what I just said, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Uh, but, but, you know, I think about that and I go, I've been in the church my entire life. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and, and as I look back over the years, the times when I have, you know, grown in my faith, the times when I, I can, I, I've just, I've seen that my character has changed. I've become a little bit more like Jesus. Those times haven't been primarily because of perfect church attendance, because I've read my Bible every day or memorized scripture, you know, practicing spiritual disciplines, fasting, prayer, etc. Now they hear me, I'm making a point here. They have definitely helped. They have definitely been very fruitful in my life. But as I look back, the, the, the growth and the change in my life have been because Jesus has revealed something of himself to me. I haven't had an experience like Paul where it's like, whoosh, bah, right? For me, it's just been a slow drawing of the curtain. But as I get just a little glimpse of Jesus and how amazing he is, I look back at my life and I go, oh boy, those are the times when I have changed when I, when I have changed. Because think about it, what it means to be a Christian, the call of Jesus is not, hello, I'm Jesus, would you like to join my club? It's not, hello, I'm Jesus, read my book. What is the call of Jesus? It's, hello, I'm Jesus, come follow me. Take my hand. Let's do this life, let's do this life together. I mean, that's crazy, but it's true. And it, it, but it's so personal, it's so relational, and basically that's what Jesus does to Paul. Let me read some of that introduction. This is in Acts chapter 9. Paul's taken his persecution act on the road, and, uh, and as he nears, it says this in verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light 
from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do and they'll get you another pair of pants. Okay, that's not in there either. That's not in there either, but come on. Okay, so Paul gets up. Oh man, Paul gets up and does as he's told. Uh, and the light that he saw was so bright that it actually blinded him. He goes into the city. God sends this man named Ananias to go to Paul, to pray for him for his healing, and basically to go to Paul and say, hey, here's your marching orders. I'm sending you to the Gentile nations. And what I want to focus on in this story is, like, just understand that at the moment, at the moment Jesus pulled the curtain back and revealed himself to Paul, it was like instantly, it's like stick a fork in Paul, he's done. Like instantly he was hooked. Instantly this man did a complete 180 and he was never the same. And look at the result of his changed life. Verse 22 says, I, whoops, oh, jeepers. We'll edit that. I was personally, whoops. I was personally, all I had were donuts this morning. I'm serious. But that one was a little fermented, I must say. So stay with me. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Now, this is interesting to me. Paul's defense of himself as an apostle and of the gospel he shares is, seems like a simple defense, but it's basically he points to his changed life. His defense is he's a witness of, for, to the power and mercy of God. Basically, he's writing to the Galatians saying, okay, here's my defense to these, to the accusations, these attacks against me. Think about it. Look at who I was. Look at who I was. And now look at who I am. That's not like, well, Paul must have read a really good book. No, 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 no. I haven't just changed. I like I'm a new creation. I am a totally different person. What's happened to me is not humanly possible. The only explanation is that I have received this from God. God has done something to me that I could never do for myself. And you know, when I look at that, I, let me just do a little sidestep. I believe that's what's going on in Paul's life and what he continued to do for the rest of his life is there is a snapshot of the the plan of God, the gospel sharing plan of God. And what I mean is uh, God's plan is that he wants to change you and he wants to change me. He wants to change us, make us into different people and then put us on display where you work, where you go to school, where you live, you know, your neighborhood, all just the sphere of people that you hang around with. God wants to put you on display and he wants people that know you. He wants them to look at you and go, wait a minute, did you shave off your beard? Or like, like there's something different about you. You look different. And, and the gospel plan of God is for you to look at them and go, yeah, let me tell you, um, let me tell you what happened to me. I have tried for years. I've gone to every conference. I've read every book. I've, you know, da, 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 every diet under the sun or whatever, right? And I just couldn't change me. 
But let me tell you what happened when I met Jesus. That's what's changed me. Would you like to meet him too? I'm convinced that's, that's the simple yet incredibly powerful plan of God. That's what Paul does. Uh, he tells his story, and in his defense, Paul does that. He tells his story. So let's keep going. Uh, Paul continues in Galatians 2. It says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not, and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, the Jews. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, again, these Jewish Christians, false teachers, they're spreading lies about Paul his credentials, his gospel, his watered-down, too-easy gospel. They're like, oh, what about the law? What about uh, circumcision? Uh, they, you know, and, and again, and, and as they're going to these churches in Galatia, they're basically going there saying, hey, and, and you need to know that we're here under the authority of the leaders in, in, in Jerusalem, you know, at, at church headquarters with James, Peter, and John. And Paul, again, is, he's writing this letter to the Galatians saying, that is not true, and here is why. So my second point is this. Uh, the underdog apostle fights for the underdog people. Uh, here's what I mean by that. I believe that for most of Paul, well, really all of Paul's ministry life, I believe that his authority as an apostle was questioned and challenged over and over. And if you're familiar with Paul's letters, I think that's pretty accurate because he often is defending himself in his letters. And, and when I look at it, I go, you know, it, it makes sense to me um, that this was a challenge for Paul because think about it. Paul was not one of the original disciples. Paul didn't walk this earth like for three plus years uh, with Jesus. And so, and so I, I get that. Uh, and I think, and this may be reading my own brokenness into Paul's, uh, Paul's story, but I think that Paul had a chip on his shoulder. And I don't mean that that's normally a negative thing to say. What I mean, I mean it in a positive way. It's a, it's a good chip. It's a, it's a kingdom chip. Paul had a chip on his shoulder that, uh, that so motivated him to follow Jesus, to do the work Jesus had given him. That, you know, that, that, that to, to fully give himself to the call in his life as a voice to the Gentiles. He was the underdog apostle. And then consider this, in the eyes of the Jews and even in the eyes of the Jewish Christians, they saw non-Jews, Gentiles, as, as like second, third, like way down the line class citizens. If you, you know, if you, in the first century Israel, if you were raised in a Jewish home, you probably uh, would have grown up with the understanding that Gentiles, non-Jews, were unclean, unworthy unwelcome dogs. 
And I say that because, and I call them the underdog people because it's pretty accurate. Historically, the Jews often referred to Gentiles as dogs. And so it makes sense that Jewish Christians would be hard on those Gentiles who now were wanting in to the faith. And it's almost like, the, or I, 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 I could see the Jewish Christians going, no, 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 this isn't for you. Jesus was our Messiah, not, not you, you know, he's not here for you. And to that response, I think Jesus would say something like this to those Jewish Christians. No, 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 you guys. This free gift that you, you know, you Jews have received, it's to be offered to everyone, regardless of what you think of them. It's my gift to give. Right? It's, I love everyone. I died on the cross for the sins of the entire human race. It's my gift to give. And I believe when Jesus pulled back that curtain and introduced himself to Paul, and as Paul got this glimpse of, you know, uh, or I believe as Paul saw Jesus, that something of the heart of Jesus, something of the amazing grace, mercy, love, these, this incredible invitation of God to all, I believe that was burned into Saul's heart. I believe that was part of his training, his equipping to now go to the underdog people with the gospel. In another of Paul's letters, he says this about the gospel, this is Ephesians 2.8. He says, hey, remember, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And so Paul continues to refute the lies of these false teachers by saying, uh, basically, let me tell you, Galatians, let me tell you what happened when I met with the church leaders in Jerusalem. And here's where I think we start to see that good chip, that kingdom chip on Paul's shoulder. He writes in, in chapter two, he writes that, hey, we went up to Jerusalem. My sidekick, Barnabas, old Barney, was with me. And, uh, and then he makes a point of saying, oh, and by the way, I also brought Titus on purpose. I brought Titus to Jerusalem, you know, church headquarters to this very important meeting. You know, Titus, who is a Greek, who is an uncircumcised Gentile Christian brother. You know, one of the underdog, one of the underdog people. And when I look at that, I think it's fair to say, because Paul's a pretty smart dude. I think he brought Titus uh, as a way of testing it's like a test case. And what I mean is this, it's a way of, for him now meeting with these church leaders to find out if the gospel Jesus gave Paul and the gospel Jesus gave these church leaders in Jerusalem, if they were in sync. And so Paul says this in verse two, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. And I said earlier that this dispute is, in, in this letter is a really big deal. Because just imagine if the church leaders in Jerusalem, you know, they've heard what these, these Judaizers, these false teachers have said, uh, these Jewish Christians, and now hearing Paul's side of things, if, if these the Christian leaders in Jerusalem, if they, if they just embraced one point, just one of the disputes, one of the false teachers' disputes regarding the Gentiles receiving the gospel, I believe it would have split this very young church. And you would have had, what you would have is the Gentile church, us, would forever be seen as the second-class church or the not the full gospel church. 
by the original church. So Paul has shared the gospel he preaches with the leaders, James, Peter, and John, and now he waits to hear their response. And in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he reports more on what they do uh, as opposed to what they say. But there's another story in Acts 15 where this same dispute regarding the Gentiles embracing the gospel is addressed by the church leaders in Jerusalem. And scholars would say that, you know, while Acts 15 and Galatians 2, they address the same, uh, the same dispute, they're not the same event, but I think it's very helpful to see what they said. So listen to this. This is Acts 15, verse 5. Then some of the believers, the Jewish Christians who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Uh, go read Acts chapter 10. Great story. It's what he's talking about. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. And I believe in, in both Acts 15 and Galatians 2, Paul's standing there. And when he hears that, he just goes, oh, there's like a sigh of relief because he's like, this is awesome. The truth of the gospel, the accuracy of the gospel, this crazy generous gift that God offers to all has now been confirmed by, by these church leaders. They continue, the leaders continue by saying, or Paul says, they recognize that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the circumcised Jews. <coughs> Excuse me. And suddenly the underdog apostle, at least in the eyes of the church leaders in Jerusalem, he was no longer uh, an underdog. And, and the story continues that Paul and Barnabas were, were given, you know, the right hand of fellowship. They got a company donkey, a, a <laughs> yeah, no, okay, a, a credit card, etc. But But, and this is awesome. This is awesome for Paul. This is awesome for Barnabas. But now, now I wish I could say, though, that the underdog people like Paul were no longer underdogs. But the truth is, uh, this dispute of who's acceptable to God and who isn't, this dispute over who is worthy or who is offered this free gift and who isn't, well, that dispute continues to rage till to today. And, you know, this week as I was, you know, uh, working on my talk, I sense that uh, God came close and, and just uh, sort of asking me some questions. Like, and, and, and the first question was, uh, so who are the Gentiles today? Who are the people here in 2023 who we see as second-class people? And, and then, you know, I felt like God got even more personal. He said, Michael, who do you put in the category of not worthy or not welcome to receive God's gift? And uh, that made me squirm a little bit. And I think that's a really good squirm that we all need to do. 
because I realize in my thought process that the people who I put in my Gentile category, they were put there because in my opinion, their lifestyle choices, uh, their religion, their sexuality, their opinions, in my opinion, were out of step with the teachings of the Bible. But here's where I started to squirm a little bit. Uh, when, there, when I had the realization that, well, wait a minute, oh, in my lifestyle choices, I am not always in step with the teachings of the Bible either. See, this, this grace thing, this saved by grace thing and not by works, I don't know about you, but I find it very tricky, very hard waters to maneuver. Like this, this, you're saved by the gift, the goodness of God, not by your performance, not by your behavior. I, I find that a hard one because, because what it doesn't mean, it's not saying, hey, the rules don't matter. Off you go. It doesn't say that at all. But what it's saying, what the gospel addresses is why we now strive, why we now strive to follow the rules. Listen to this quote. We do, not, we do not live God's way in order to become his children, to earn adoption, but out of gratitude that we are already God's children. We now live our lives in response to what Jesus had done for us. Heather said this last week, it's, it's good news. It's something that's been done for you. It's not good advice. Now go and do this and God will be, will be pleased with you. Now, it's a, it, it can't be earned. It's a free gift. Now, getting back to my Gentile list, if you're anything like me, what I've just said, I, I, think, I think you would agree with what I just said about God's grace, etc. cetera. Uh, but you would also agree that it, it's really hard to put this thing of grace into practice uh, in my own life and in how I view other people. And, and I've realized this week, I'm a lot like these Jewish Christians. And what I mean is I, I want rules. I, I want rules, guidelines, and indicators that help me for both myself and others determine who's in and who's out, who's worthy and who's not worthy. One more Keller quote, moralistic religion tends to press its members to adopt very specific rules and regulations for dress and daily behavior. Why? Well, if your salvation depends upon obeying the rules, then you want your rules to be very specific, doable, and clear. You don't want love your neighbor as yourself because that's an impossibly high standard which has endless implications. You want don't go to movies or don't drink alcohol or don't eat this type of food. Uh, why don't we have the worship team come on back? Let me end with this. Here's why what I'm saying is really important. Uh, like, let me ask you a question. What, what gospel, as you're sitting there thinking about this, what gospel would you say you've embraced in your life? Have you embraced the, the gospel of grace, the gift offered by God, the gift of being made right with God because of what he has done in your behalf, right? And the Bible says that gospel, that gospel gives life to people. Or if you look at your life, would you say, well, uh, you know, would you say maybe you've embraced the gospel of works? Like you have to earn it or your, your approval rating with God goes up and down based on your performance, based on you getting it right. Well, the Bible says this gospel or that gospel only gives you death. See, as I look at the example of Paul and the life of Paul, if, if we're gonna follow Jesus into this world, if we're going to, uh, as his people, participate in his rescue mission, 
I am convinced we need to increasingly know more and more the beauty and just the wonder of Jesus and, and, and this gospel gift, this ridiculously generous gift that God offers to all and offers to all here today. Uh, one last quote, C.S. Lewis said, Christianity must be from God, for who else could have thought it up? Why don't we stand up? Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.